News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Katie Honan, here with Christina Greer and Harry Siegel. Hey. Hi there. Let's jump right in with some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York City. The mayor's getting his COVID booster this morning, making him one of what's likely just a handful of New Yorkers to do so. The city is no longer reporting the booster numbers. Gotham is noted this weekend now that there's no longer a state of emergency. But we do know just 16% of New Yorkers got the previous booster. And with this one, there's been a fair amount of confusion with pharmacies providing it about supplies and insurance and what people need to pay out of pocket. Naturally, Adams called his trip south of the border last week a success, saying he connected with local officials and sent a message, and national ones, to would-be migrants about how, while the American dream is alive and well, the inn in New York City is full, and insisting there was no contradiction between those messages. He also didn't explain why visiting in person, including a stop near the Darien Gap that required a huge Colombian security presence for a photo op trip, leaders there and here had advised him not to take, would be any more effective than his previous efforts to inform prospective new arrivals about how expensive and unhelpful New York City supposedly is. The mayor's trip included stops in Quito, Ecuador, Bogota, Colombia, the Darien Gap, and he started it in Mexico City, where just this morning Politico reported that one person spotted in the same hotel as Mayor Adams in Mexico City was Johnny Petroscience. Yes, one of the brothers who owns uh, La Baya, among other restaurants. They're very close friends. Uh, we don't know why he was there. Apparently, the city told uh, Politico's Joe Anuda that it was for unrelated business. But um, I would have done a little cartoon character eye rub, like jaw dropping if I saw him in Mexico City. So we will find out hopefully later today. Was it a coincidence that the mayor's very, very close friend was in the same hotel with him in Mexico City? We shall see. Anywho. So then Adams returned home just in time to condemn a rally in support of Palestinians that was promoted online by the local chapter, the Democratic Socialists of America, just after the massacre, rape and hostage taking of Jewish civilians in southern Israel by Hamas. The mayor said the rally, where scuffles broke out after an Israeli flag was snatched from counter-protesters and burned, was, quote, spreading hate, and that Pauls, supported by, or members of the DSA, which didn't put on the event, by the way, uh, needed to do some, quote, soul-searching. Governor Hochul called it abhorrent and morally repugnant. Notably, as I said, most elected DSA officials didn't attend and also avoided commenting on it, even as other Democrats widely condemned it. The New York chapter of the Council on American-Islamic Relations, CARE, which did not condemn Hamas, did issue a statement saying that Adams, these are all quotes, verbal intimidation and dangerous rhetoric abuses his authority, blatantly undermines the constitutional rights of all Americans, fuels Islamophobic rhetoric, division and hatred, and calls for potential violence towards those who uplift the voices of the colonized and oppressed populations. Chrissy, like, this is not FAQ The World. This is FAQ NYC. And I'm hoping you can zero in a bit on the local 
implications and politics of these international happenings uh, with the continuation of what's already the greatest population migration since World War II and a massacre that's being called, quote, Israel's 9-11, which is, of course, a, a very loaded phrase. Yeah. And how, how our mayor and other politicians are trying to navigate all of that. Yeah. Well, you know, Harry, I'm very clear that I'm not a scholar of international relations, but I am a scholar of American politics. And so the lens that I come to the conversation with is, you know, how does this affect all the city council races where you had DSA-backed candidates or DSA-sponsored candidates? I think that will change the discourse when they come around again um, and want to talk about their various communities. I don't think that this rally will go away, whether they attend it or not. If you say you're DSA-backed, what does that then mean? I do think that the mayor's rhetoric has been at times really inappropriate and incendiary. And it reminds me of international leaders who say the same things about migrants coming to their communities. Now, I'm not in charge of the budget. I understand that there are constraints that mayors have. And obviously, Eric Adams has been very clear that he needs Kathy Hochul and Joe Biden to do more. But you don't want to villainize folks where you start to see them as less than human and, you know, as others have called migrants around the globe, you know, animals or roaches or things that we've seen in the past that we know can really contribute to some of the violence towards migrants that we've seen in local communities. So I don't know where we stand. I mean, we will have an influx of migrants continuing because we don't take care of and work with other nations uh, in a lot of ways. So we have political, economic social and now climate refugees and will continue to have migrants come to the city because of the things that America does to their countries or doesn't do to assist them, people have to flee. So this has been the tale as old as time with this country. And then we scratch our heads and wonder like, well, why are people coming here? It's like, well, their countries are unstable largely because many times we've made them unstable. Um, So I'm always fascinated though, when we have different types of migrants and there starts to be hair splitting when it comes to what countries they're from. You know, like we had open doors and open arms for Ukraine, but not necessarily for people coming from the South. Um, And so if we believe in migration, then we believe in migration. Um, Obviously, that is not an opinion that's shared by many Americans. Um, They like selective migration, which we've always liked as a nation. We like to sort of pick and choose which countries um, we open our doors to. So, just the last hundred years or so, right? Like, like starting yeah. with the uh, uh, the Chinese, like, like we've had all of these sort of gradated exclusionary policies, um, and then then the Irish. Uh, uh, how the Irish become white? How the Italians become white? I mean, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Italians are still a protected class at CUNY because they were treated so terribly, right? I mean, you know, we know that how the Germans, like, you know, I always think it's fascinating. I'm fascinated by migration in cities. Like how people got where, right? So when I lived in Illinois, I was like, ugh, these Black people are so country. It's like, of course they are. They're from Alabama, Mississippi, like straight up, right? And so why is it that you have Polish communities, you know, in particular places or like in Minnesota? Why is it? It's like a whole bunch of like Polish people and Ethiopians. Like what is going on? You know, or like in Chicago, you know, you've got Polish and Irish in, you know, historic communities. And so why is it? I mean, it's social networks, it's political networks. It's also exclusionary practices that led people to particular places. So we know that this has happened. This, I mean, I'm a trustee of the Tenement Museum. Like we talk about it all the time, um, how different groups get to be American and the sacrifices they have to make to do so. 
we're in this moment where I just feel like the rhetoric about some, but not all, migrants is really horrifying to me because it reminds me of the past. But I do think that there's this cherry picking of who's deserving. This is why I cannot stand Andrew Yang and Vivek Ramaswamy because they constantly do that cherry picking of like the good immigrants versus the bad immigrants and who's deserving and who belongs here. And, you know, if you come here with a degree, you get to stay here or whatever. You know, I just stuff like that, I think, contributes to this underlying um, disdain that a lot of people have towards immigrants where it's like, you know, think about DeSantis. It's like, scratch your ancestors back two generations. They were the same people that you're talking about today. Um, I think a lot of people forget that. It's a really nice editorial in the uh, Daily News today. Uh, getting tripped up, Mayor Adams' visit south of the border won't dissuade anyone. Starts off, Mayor Adams' trip through Latin America will do nothing to deter migrants who made up their minds to come to the United States. And it notes that Outside of a pandemic dip between like September 2020 and the next year, more than 10,000 asylum applications have been filed every month, stretching back to early 2017. Uh, this continued through Trump's transit ban, remain in Mexico, wall construction, family separation, through COVID, through the Biden administration's embrace of Title 42 and the second transit ban, and noting that even these extreme efforts have failed because for a variety of reasons, and I think technology has a lot to do with this, by the way, all around the world, uh, the people weaving are determined they simply can't stay in their countries of birth and res or residence. And correctly, like we're going to be hard-pressed to seem like a worse option no matter the obstacles we throw in the way. The New York City mayor coming by in person and telling folks that the city is full of facially absurd statement is not going to land nor impact anyone's decision-making. So given all that, what do you think the Americans to accomplish with this uh with this trip past uh you know uh some 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 television time and showing himself as a person who's who's doing things and getting to travel some, which he likes doing. Right. He likes to travel. We love mayors who like to travel. And you know, I can't talk smack about people who travel, you know, I stay with <laughs> with a hot passport. But you know, one I'm always asking, what's my money going towards? So I think we had a conversation offline, Harry. Katie, Harry and I were chatting without you, sorry. Um, okay. But I was I was basically saying that, like, this trip reminds me of people who do Teach for America, where it's like they go to the ghetto for, like, two years and, like, teach in a school and then leave, never to return. And then when they're at a cocktail party, they're like, oh, well, I know because I've been to the ghetto and I've seen these things. And so they give themselves like a false sense of, of knowledge. This is my strong opinion about Teacher America. I'm sure we'll get lots of people who only email Harry. They never email me, right? Harry, she said this, but they never email me to say it. So if you want to say something, please feel free. Um, but that's, I, I have a strong disdain for Teacher America. But this trip sort of feels like it. It feels like he gets to go there to say, like, I went there, I saw some things, and now I can speak with authority about it. And so he went there for 24 hours, and he got an honorary degree, and he went to some churches and had some dinners. But, like, what was the point of the trip? Do you really think that people who need to flee certain economic and social and climate violent circumstances are going to say, well, the mayor of New York City came and gave a speech in my town, and he said not to come. So now I'm not going to come. I don't think that's the case. I think if you have to leave, you have to leave. Who wants to flee their their land? Who wants to pack up everything in a suitcase with their families? Most people don't want to do that, but they're desperate to do so. 
there was also a shift in the mayor's messaging when he first announced it. It was like, we're going down to like, you know, meet with people and let them know they think they're staying in five star hotels. And then when he went down there, particularly once he left Mexico City, which is mainly celebrations, honorary things, when he went to Quito and then um, Bogota, it became like fact finding mission. Well, I'm on a fact finding mission. And, you know, in one of his virtual briefings, I asked the mayor, like, what's first, what's your strategy? Because do you really think someone who risked their lives or families' lives and left, and because what they're leaving is much worse than what they could face? On the on the route to what they hope is safety, like, do you think they're going to listen to you, like, and and sit and turn around, you know? And, and he, you know, he said that that's probably not the case, but it's just once he got there, you know, and then he was saying it seems like the Colombian government. I I would not be happy if I was a Colombian government or the Colombian police, and here comes this guy with a huge entourage of people. Um, request it didn't sound like he got very far towards the Darien Gap. You know, he went over it by a helicopter at some point. He said he needed 50 police officers. Um, when I, I asked again on one of these virtual briefings, like, what did you see? And there really wasn't much he could share because I don't think he got that far into it. You know, obviously I'm not familiar with the entry points or what it looks like, but I don't know how many people he spoke with. Uh, he doesn't speak Spanish. So that's the other thing. Obviously he went down with staffers who do, but it just seemed a lot like a lot of pomp. And unfortunately, yeah. I think that's one of the criticisms of the mayor, where it's a lot of pomp. And of course, he'll bring it up. Um, you know, the reporters who went down with him, um, some just went to Mexico City, some continued with him. They themselves, their own security team said it was unsafe for them to go to the to the gap. So, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm sure he'll continue to bring this up. I'm sure if anyone criticize, whenever, not if, when people criticize him, elected officials, Brad Lander, the people who he, who he very publicly dislikes, I'm sure he'll bring it up. Well, I went. Did you? Did you go? Right. Well, and I think that's the piece that is very Teach for America for me. When people have sound critiques and he's going to say, well, you haven't been. I've been. We were there for 20 minutes. But that is a chip where he can say, well, I've been and you haven't. And so this gives me now authority to say incendiary things or false things or, you know, statements that lead to policies um, for the city because it's, it's like a Wanda one-upman. Like he's now, he's got a one-up card on other people who haven't been. And he can say that. Um, and he's been to a few cities and countries and, that doesn't, I don't know if that's going to help the rhetoric or really moving the conversation forward. And I found it interesting, you know, who went with him? Obviously, Tim Pearson, it was reported, went down. He works for the EDC. He was the one who was maintaining his job at Resorts World Casino, double dipping. I mean, not even to mention his pension. But I was surprised that um, Deputy Mayor Ann Williams-Isom didn't go or Zach Iskell. To me, they have been, in this administration, the most front-facing when it comes mm -hmm. to the the asylum seeker crisis, the Hercs, the placement, you know, the deputy mayor has a weekly briefing on it. Um, I asked City Hall why they didn't go, and, you know, they sent me some long on background. Everyone in the administration is working towards blah, blah, blah. But I just think as an observer, and I haven't even, you know, my our, our colleague, Gwen Hogan, has really been doing tons and tons of excellent asylum seeker reporting, but just it was odd to me that they didn't go. Um Obviously, the commissioner of the mayor's office of immigrant affairs went, and he's been front and center as well. But to hear that Tim Pearson and Johnny Petroscience from a restaurant, restaurateur who is his right. close personal whatever friend, 
is there, but a deputy mayor who is herbs, I don't know, maybe she didn't want to go. I don't want to speak for her. We've asked her to come on the show and the city hall has said no. So um and William Isons, right, who was not on this trip and has been doing the uh, weekly briefings about this, um, is not responsible for the post-flood report on what the Adams administration maybe failed to do. She seems to be taking what had been like the Catherine Garcia role in the de Blasio administration of like deputy mayor for brutal stuff uh, that, that is not fun to handle as opposed to like like deputy mayor who gets to pal around on trips or any of that. But just given that she's been doing these weekly briefings and really has been on top of things and it seemed very uh, competent and fact-bound and fastidious, it, 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 she did seem to me to be like sort of a striking omission from this fact-finding or messaging or whatever it was visited. Um, what do I know? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when it comes, this mayor is very, it's constantly surprising. The way that my jaw truly fell when I saw reading in playbook that Johnny Petroscience was there, perhaps coincidentally, I just can't, I can't believe it. And then, you know, hearing, yeah, we'll hear more today is off topic Tuesday. So we will get more from the mayor on, on what the trip was and, and all that. But it's just, it, I don't know what the purpose of it. And I know Gothamist Liz Kim reported this weekend. We still don't know the cost. The mayor said he and Tim Pearson and everyone was paying their own way. But I'm like, well, the, the police, obviously, look, his police detail, who the city, I'm sure, is paying for their travel. But so the mayor, I'm supposed to, supposed to believe that the mayor paid for his flight to Mexico City, presumably last minute, his hotel, his flight then to Quito, his flight. It's just a lot of costs that I don't understand. And, you know, I foiled for lots of trip expenses and it takes, you know, a year to get to you. And who knows what we'll see in another year that will make this no longer relevant. Hmm. So... I'd like us to take one minute before before we wrap up here um, to have a little cause for uh, local hope. Spoiler, it is not the uh, Yankees, the Mets, the uh, Jets, or the Giants. But I will note that the Liberty yeah. are in the finals. And uh, the Knicks, the Knicks look like they might be all right again and fun to watch. Listen, I'm the Knicks good luck charm. Every Knicks game I go to, they win. You got to go to more. Well, <laughs> I don't really have the time and the money to do that many. The, I've only been to one Knicks game in the past, you know, year or so where they lost one. And that was the first game of the second series of the playoffs against the Heat. And they blew a, like a 17-point lead. But, you know, here's my thing. I have very sensitive hearing. I cannot go to Barclays. One, this is why I don't like Jay-Z and what he did to the Black community by building Barclays. So, you know, I don't like the arena from Jump Street. But it's too loud. Structurally, it is not built well. Like, the garden, you can be loud and you can also think and you can watch a game and they don't play music incessantly. If you go to Barclays, whether it's a Liberty game or a Nets game, they are literally playing music every second of the game. There is no time where you can have a single thought in your head. It feels like you are in a torture situation where they will <laughs> not let you have, no, I'm dead serious. Like I always feel like, why am I here? Because they won't let you have a moment of peace and quiet, like not even one. And it's at a level where this is why, you know, I went to the Liberty game like a week and a half ago. My voice is still shot just because I'm sitting next to someone screaming my head off. Like, so how was your day? Like this is, it's too much. It's too much and it's not enough. So. Even though the garden is not convenient 
to always get to because of the construction, etc. I I can't I can't support Barclays. Like I just it's too loud for no reason. Do I, I sound love like I'm garden. 97 years a old? A little bit. I'm I was gonna suggest <laughs> headphones or your no, I'm a garden person. Well, because I live by the railroad and I can go right there. It, it is to me the most convenient. Yeah. That's just me. That's my queen's privilege. But it is the best arena. They've they've renovated a little bit. There to me, there's not a bad seat. You know, the, I've only no, been that's one the thing. game in my life. They're but. terrible seats in Barclays. If you're in cheap seats in Barclays, you know you're in the cheap seats. If you're in cheap seats in the garden, you don't really know you're in the yeah. cheap seats. You still have a great view. The sound is great. The food is better. Like, I just, I think the the guests are a better cross-section of what New York is. This is just my, obviously my bias. But I cannot stand being in Barclays because I literally, I'm like, is this what being tortured feels like? The, just the nonstop music, the nonstop sound, the nonstop, just like the decibels of sound. I'm literally like vibrating like a good 24 hours after I leave that arena. Oh, it's they pump in a lot of noise there. I will note this podcast is brought to you by the Dolan family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to get kicked out with face recognition, but I did. I did see Lady Wusai and I may have had one or two glasses of champagne. And I was like, your arena is way too loud. (laughs) It's like, I can't take it. She's like, I've never heard that before. I was like, I'm uh, sorry. It is too loud. So luckily she doesn't have Dolan-level face recognition to make sure I never come in. On that note, the ear-piercing fife, I need somebody to read something, please, and then I'll explain why it's there. This in the text, oh, farewell, farewell, the nang steed and the shrill <laughs> trump. The spirit-stirring drum, the ear-piercing fife, the royal banner and all quality, pride, pomp, and circumstance of glory war, and oh, you mortal engines whose rude throats the mortal Jove's dread clamors counterfeit. Farewell, Othello's occupation's gone. So thank you, Wikipedia. I will just note uh, that that is the first use of pomp and Shakespeare, of of, uh, pomp and circumstance. It is Shakespeare. It's Othello. Wow. Third act, the general mourning the end of a war and losing all that awesome stuff. Uh, The steed, the shrill trump, the uh, spirit stirring drum, the ear splitting fife, quality, pride, comma, pop, comma, and circumstance of glorious war. So that's how we get uh, the circumstance with the uh, pop for the record. You're welcome. Our lit Mm. professor, Harry Siegel. Well, on that note. Our occupation's gone. F-A-Q. This has been FAQ NYC. We're part of the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard hitting reporting that serves the people of New York. Our work is freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Go to thecity.nyc/slash give if you'd like to pitch in. We also receive support from PT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side with a podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. We're a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists, Critics, and Artists. Find it all at popula.com and are affiliated with the Colin Powell School at CUNY City College, where Chrissy Greer is one of the inaugural fellows. Our host this episode were Christina Greer. Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer, and me, Katie Honan. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind, be cool, and we'll be back soon with more. 
One last thing here, we're done. Uh, big shout out to Claudia Golden, Bronx High School of Science class of 1963 for winning the Economics Nobel Prize. Um, it is the school's ninth Nobel Prize, which its alumni association notes, if it was its own country, they'd be 22nd on the list of most Nobel Prizes won. Keep bragging, you nerds, good work. They never let us forget it. All right, done, done. A Adam, you'll throw in like the singing and the musical stuff, right? Yes, sure. <laughs>